Thorn Creek, welcome to church. So glad you are here. Welcome all of you who are online, checking out online. So glad you're tuning in. Uh, let's pray and we'll jump into this. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. I'm grateful, God, you're the God of new beginnings. I'm grateful you're the God who never gives up on us. I'm grateful you're the God of the low places and the high places. And you have this incredible, intense, passionate, unyielding desire for us to know you. Right now, God, we give you ourselves. Some of us came to church or are watching online, and there's a lot going on in our life. And I pray that every single soul who's watching and who's in the house experiences your loving touch, is inspired to live for you, inspired to walk by faith, bring, uh, bring your spirit of encouragement and love and grace and mercy and even judgment, Lord. And I pray that we are changed by your spirit, God. Holy Spirit, work in me and through me. I don't want to just go through the motions of church, Lord. We need you desperately. Thank you for the breath in our lungs, Lord. Thank you for giving us strength. Thank you for your goodness, God. We worship you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Can you put your hands together if that's your desire? You desire to live for God? You desire to trust God with your life. That's my desire as well. Hey, before we jump into the message, I want to thank you. Uh, I want to thank Thorn Creek Church. You guys are an incredible, loving church. And I don't know how people can go through life without a church. I'll just say it that way. I feel, I feel sorry for people who go through life without a church. There's nothing like the power of a biblical community that comes around you during times of celebration and times of pain, high times and low times. You know what I'm talking about? Shout out, amen, if you know what I'm talking about. It, it's so special, guys. And I want to thank you for your, for your love. Um, you just a great, great blessing. Um, I, I have my, my mother is in the house. You don't have to put her on camera, but she's sitting over there when you're waving at her. Just say, hey, Stella, can you do that really loud? <laughs> that's that's there's an old movie where they shouted out Stella do you guys remember that it's like an old thing I just do that with her every once in a while I want to say hello to my dad who's watching at home uh, we love you dad wish you were here I understand why you're not here and we're praying for your health we love you very much so um have you ever been stuck in the mud anybody raise your hand if you've ever been stuck in the mud you ever been stuck in the mud? Uh, now I might, I'm, I'm thinking like literally you might think, yeah, I know in Colorado it's hard to get stuck in mud because we just have snow and sunshine. But um, there's this, when I, when, I, when I took my son to Nashville, um, we, uh, we had to get a trailer. And the trailer we were getting was parked in Wyoming. This was like three weeks ago or something like that. And the, there was apparently a whole bunch of rain in Wyoming. And this trailer, which was this huge flatbed, was stuck in the mud. And they couldn't pull it out. They actually had to go get a, a truck, another truck out there to try to yank it out. And it had uh, like dually tires on, on the back. And there was so much mud, the tires looked like one tire on each side. And uh, have you ever been stuck in mud? Uh, maybe it was snow or whatever it is. But um, maybe it was something else. Maybe it was a financial situation you were going through. And you were like, I, I, am, I am in over my head. 
and I don't know how I got into this financial situation. I purchased more things than I should have purchased. Now I'm a slave to debt or whatever it is. Or maybe you've been stuck in another way. Maybe it's been a, a relational issue or whatever it is. You got involved in a relationship and then you're like, why in the world am I in this relationship? I am stuck in this relationship. I went out of this relationship. I don't know how to get out of it now. Now there's other things happening around this relationship and I'm stuck and I'm in this situation, whatever it is. Or maybe it's a spiritual problem. Maybe there's something going on in your life and it has a spiritual hold on you. You know, the devil still grabs a hold of people in different ways. Sometimes it's greed, sometimes it's pride, sometimes it's arrogance, sometimes it's lust, sometimes it's all kinds of stuff, anger. But the enemy can have a hold on you and you feel like, I am stuck in this place. Depression, whatever it is, we've all been at this place where we've been stuck and we're wondering how in the world do we get out of this place? Here's the worst one for me. Worst one for me is the one where I, I fall I, uh, to, to some sort of spiritual lapse or whatever it is. And I'm like, I want to live at this level, but I feel like I keep living at this level and I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like there, I just can't get over that hump. And I want to live for God and I want to do the right things, but I keep doing the wrong things. And it's a frustrating, discouraging kind of life. I'm so grateful for the book of Psalms. There's 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. And each Psalm is just, comes right out of the heart of, of the author, whether it's King David or others. But um, I, was, uh, I, came across, uh, I came across an interview between Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message. That's another version of the Bible. It's like a, it's a translation, a contemporary modern translation. And, uh, and Bono from, from a, a band called U2. Have you ever heard of Bono? Who has never heard of Bono? Let me, let me, if you're really young, let me just tell you, he's like Justin Bieber on steroids, like times 20. Imagine Justin Bieber, like in his 70s, still doing music that the 10-year-old will like. That's, that's Bono. The guy doesn't, doesn't die. And uh, the guy has some great, great, great music. But um, he, in, he, he shared this quote that I wanted to share with you. He reads the book of Psalms. Isn't that cool? He reads, he reads the book of Psalms. And uh, he said this, the Psalms have this rawness of brutal honesty about this explosive joy and deep sorrow or confusion. And it's that. That sets the Psalms apart for me. I talk about that. It's so brutally honest. It's, uh, Psalms is, is uh, it's, not, it's not like uh, um, socially correct or it's not appropriate. It's just raw. It's just raw. And in fact, in 1983, I'm not even going to ask who wasn't alive then. In 1983, U2 actually wrote a song called 40. And it was based on Psalm chapter 40 that we're looking at today. And in this, uh, uh, the story is, uh, it was the last song written for the album called War. And they had already used an extra week of studio time and needed one more song in a hurry. So Bono opened up a Bible and read from Psalm 40 of Psalms of David, and they put it to music. That's where it came from. And uh, I just think it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So here's what I want to do. Um, as we're going through this summer series, uh, which is, you know, the, the people's hallelujah, and I encourage you to be a part of it. And if you get an email from us saying, hey, give us some lyrics, you know, please respond. 
please respond. We're writing songs during the summer, and it's been really, really cool seeing our worship team put that together. But in this, in this uh, Psalm chapter 40, um, this Psalm, I'm like emotionally attached to it, guys. I'll just tell you right now. I was so excited when I knew I was going to be preaching Psalm chapter 40. But um, before we go into Psalm chapter 40, I want to make sure we look at kind of the entire context of this area. So I want to read just a few verses in chapter 38 and just a few verses in chapter 39. And then we're going to jump into chapter 40. Chapter 38 starts off like this. These are the words of David. Um, I'm going to read verses four through eight. He says, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my, because of my what? Church? You're going to have to help me out. If, if You're going to help, help me out. If you weren't you know, participating, I want you to say it out loud with me. It'll help me preach better. Not for my... Okay, thank you, those extra two people. I am bent over and racked with pain all day long. I walk around filled with what, church? It's getting a little better, thank you. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. First of all, I want you to recognize something. David says, my foolish sins, my foolish sins. You know, much of our life is a result of decisions that we make. We live out our consequences, don't we, of our decisions. Much of our life, that's what we do. And he says, my wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. See, we can make foolish decisions that weigh us down. Sometimes you can look at your life and say, boy, if I only went left instead of right, if I only stayed instead of walked away, if I only had been obedient to God, where would my life be right now? If I only made an effort back then, like I'm making it right now, <laughs> where would I be right now? And in our own life, many times we make these decisions, and after we make the decisions, we see the results of the decisions, and we can say, well, that wasn't very smart. Why did I make that decision? Why didn't I cry out to God and ask God what he thinks I should do? And it even affected him physically. He, sa he says, I'm bent over and racked with pain. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. Uh, my groans come from an anguished heart. You know, biblically, scripture teaches us that spiritual decisions can affect your physical life. Spiritual decisions can affect your physical life life. You know, if you want to look younger, all you have is, all you need is a bunch of Jesus. That's all you need is a bunch of Jesus. And there's something about the heart that is light, that has been, that has been healed and forgiven, and, and that doesn't hold grudges, doesn't hold resentment, a heart that has been set free by the Spirit of God. The countenance changes, everything changes, the soul is brand new. Let's, let's look at 39. David starts off by talking to himself. I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I, what I say. I will hold my, my what church? My, hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. Have you ever had a hard time holding your tongue when there's people, certain people around you? You know what I'm talking about? Certain people, it's easy to hold your tongue and there's other people that just kind of get under your skin. You know what I'm saying? They get under your skin, and it's like, I'm really having a hard time holding my tongue 
with these people around me. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. Verse 2 says, but as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. The more I thought about it, the hotter I got, igniting a fire of words. Isn't that encouraging? King David, the man after God's own heart, also struggled with saying the right things, saying the wrong things on the wrong time. Saying the right, I mean, he just struggled with his words. He said, I hold my tongue. The turmoil within me grew worse. The more I thought about it, the hotter I got. Have you ever struggled with keeping your mouth shut? You ever struggled with that? I think all of us have, right? I, I have countless, countless, countless times. Right now, you know, we have these Colorado uh, fires and fires coming out of California. I miss the mountains. Anybody miss the mountains? I miss looking at the mountains, the crisp mountains. And that's amazing how that smoke comes and it just covers everything, doesn't it? And I thought about, I thought about this psalm right here and I thought about our words and, and, and our words can do the same thing. You can say something in 10 seconds that can linger for 10 years, you can say something in 10 seconds to someone that can linger for 10 years. And every time that person sees you or you see that person, all they think about is the words that you said. When they see you, all they think about are the words that you said. Especially if you're not spiritually mature enough to say the F word, forgive me. If, you're not, if you don't have that spiritual maturity and you refuse because of pride and arrogance and stubbornness and you're just like, I'm not going to ask for forgiveness, it could be like that smoke against the mountains. When they see you, they just see the words. And there's still hurt. And there's going to continue to be hurt there until you are able to ask for forgiveness. Stubbornness, pride, arrogance is a sign of spiritual immaturity. It's a sign of weakness, of insecurity, of fear of what other people might think about you if you humbled yourself. You haven't surrendered yourself completely to Jesus Christ, and you don't have the same attitude that Christ has who emptied himself out completely. And that's where God wants you to live. But it's like that smoke, and David is saying, you know what, I, uh, I said too much. And I, I, I didn't want to say it, and I said too much, and now I'm living with these consequences. Uh, for some of you, here's the best prayer you can say today. God, help me with my tongue. Would you make that a prayer? Say, God, help me with my tongue. I want to control the words that come out of my mouth. Give me the ability to not speak when I shouldn't speak. Sometimes having the last word is just a sign of weakness. You ever know someone like that? It's like they have to have the last word. And it, whether it's a text or an email or it's face-to-face, -face, they just, sometimes the most spiritual mature person is able to just keep their mouth shut and let the other person have their last word. But make that your prayer. Say, God, help me to control my tongue. In James chapter 3, James says, a spiritual mature man or woman is the person who is able to control their tongue. If they could control their tongue, they can control every other part of their life. So that's a sign of spiritual maturity. How are you doing in that area? Make that your prayer. God, help me to control my tongue. So King David, when you look at him in chapter 38 and chapter 39, you see frustration and discouragement. 
He's, he's made foolish decisions, and he's living with those consequences. He has spoken when he should have been silent. He's discouraged, and he's frustrated. And in chapter 40, there's good news. Chapter 40, it just kind of turns around. In fact, there's this subtitle under it that says, God sustains his servant. See, even godly people need to be lifted up sometimes, right? Even Christians, people who go to church need to be lifted up sometimes, don't we? And we need God to move and sustain us and give us strength. We need God. And I've discovered there's nothing like a touch from the Lord. There's nothing like God touching you and giving you strength and you can go from zero to 100, just literally just, just within a second. But Psalm chapter 40 is really interesting. So you read chapter 38 and 39 and there's a lot of, I'm in this low place, God help me kind of thing. I've done things, I've made decisions, all this kind of stuff. But chapter 40, the order is really, really interesting because the first 11 verses of chapter 40 is like the answer to the prayer. Like God showed up. That's the first 11 verses. And then the rest of it, verses 12 through 17, it describes David's prayer like he's still in the bottom. He's still in the miry pit. He's still in the mud in verses 12 through 17. So for whatever reason, it starts off with David talking about how God helped him, verses 1 through 11. When really, verses 12 through 17 describe, continues to talk about the prayer. So because we read 38 and 39, I want to start off in verse 12, guys. Describes David's prayer. It says this. David goes on. He says, for troubles without numbers surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. He's in over his head. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. See, when you sin in your life, it affects your heart, affects your confidence, affects your strength. It saps your strength. Verse 13, be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my, uh, desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But... May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And may those who long for your saving help always say the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. You've been there before? Have you ever felt like that sin has gotten the best of you? Have you ever felt like you know, the devil won the last 10 rounds. You ever felt like you're on the verge of just not trying anymore? You're like, I'm done trying. To, I, you know what? I'm going to stop saying, God, help me with my tongue. I'm just done. I'm going to stop saying, God, help me. And we've all been there before. Every person has felt it. Every pastor, every king, every president, every champion, every overcomer has felt the urge to quit. Every person has felt it. Every person. Now, I've seen days. I've seen days when I didn't feel like getting out of bed. Anyone been there before? I've seen days when I didn't feel like going to the office. You know what I mean? I've seen days when I didn't feel like persevering. I've seen days when I didn't feel like pushing forward. I've seen days when I didn't feel strong and I didn't feel confident. And let me just say, those days came 
and they passed. Glory to God. Glory to God. Aren't you glad every day is a new day? Aren't you glad the sun comes up every morning and it's a brand new morning and his mercies, his mercies are what every morning? They're, They're new every morning. Aren't you glad for that? Haven't you had those rough days before where you're like, I don't know what's going on or you're so discouraged or whatever it is and you're like, okay, praise God, it has passed. I want you to hear this. You're in a season, not a sentence. You're in a season, not a sentence. There's a difference. I found out something really cool. Pastor Jeremy shared this with me. And I did, wasn't planning on putting this in my, my notes, but once he shared it with me, I said, I got to put this in the, in the sermon. This is amazing. You know, we have this beautiful online ministry, and I'm grateful for those who are watching online. But do you know, we are, we are growing in attendance in person in all three services, but we're also ministering to more people online. And there's people all over the nation um, that are watching Thorn Creek Church. Here's a letter that we received. It was a handwritten letter. I'm writing this here, this here. Yeah, just, just, just listen to this. I'm writing this here letter from my jail cell here in Amarillo, Texas, Potter County Jail. I attended y'all's, he's from Texas, I attended y'all's church one time, you guys was having a deal outside the church, singing, cooking, don't recall exactly what day it was, sir, but I enjoyed every single minute of it. My wife Leah is an online host, and I used to listen and watch with her online every Sunday. Anyways, I'm writing this here because it was put on my mind and heart to do so, As I laid here in my bunk, Thorn Creek Church kept popping in my head. I have been through a whole lot in my 38 years. I've lived a rough life. I've lived the fast life, hanging with people who really never cared for me, had me spun on drugs. I see it's messed me up. But my point of all this Since the first time I attended y'all's church, I felt the love. I felt happy within. I'm asking for y'all to pray for me, and Leah, I'm truly ready to give all my full heart to God. I am done with the wildlife, and I want Satan, the evil one, to be gone. I only want God in my life. Isn't that beautiful? You can put your hands together. Praise the Lord. what's the gospel message? It's just one beggar telling another beggar where to get some bread, right? All of us need the grace of God. Some of us are just one step away from being in a situation like that, right? We're just one step away from going down the wrong road. Here's the answer to David's prayer. Here it is, verse one. I waited patiently. Let's read this out loud, guys. I wanna read a little bit out loud. Um, and let's do this. Let's stretch your legs. Let's stand up and let's, let's read it just in honor of the word of God. We're going to focus on verse three, uh, first three verses, but I want to read verses one through, I want to read verses one through 11, but let's just read this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, 
a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness protect me. Always protect me. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, in my Bible, the date is, uh, I have a date written in the margin, April 13, 2015. I encourage you to write on your Bible. And it's just an incredible memory of, you know, as God moves. I, I love the brick and mortar Bible. And I like the Bible on my, my phone as well. But the brick and mortar is pretty special to me. But uh, I was going through a hard time at that time. And, and the Lord sustained me. The Lord, sometimes we need to be reminded, you know, men, you know what I'm talking about. You just need to be reminded that you're still God's man. You know what I mean? You just need to be reminded that God is with you. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you need to be reminded God is with you. We all need that encouragement and that reminder. Verse one, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. And um, this word in Hebrew, it's a doubled word. It literally means in waiting, I waited. In waiting, I waited. And the idea behind this is he wasn't just like waiting for a moment. He was waiting diligently. He was waiting even though the prayer hadn't been answered. He was waiting even though he hadn't seen God move. He was waiting and holding on to God even though he didn't feel God. He was waiting patiently, earnestly, with perseverance. Now that's hard for us. It's hard for us. We, we, all of us feel like God moves too slow, right? God moves too slow. He's like, I'm going to give him, God, I need you to help me out with this. And it's not happening, God. So what we do then is we take matters into our own hands. But God wants you to learn to wait on him. Waiting on God is part of obeying God. And the good waiters are able to obey him as well. Waiting on God is part of obeying God. It's a spiritual maturity. Most of us got, want God to move faster. But what I've learned is God's timing and purpose always work together. His timing and his purpose always work together. The problem is when we don't have the discipline to wait on God. The only regret, the only regret you'll have about waiting on God is wishing you had. Oh, put that up, baby. That's so important. The only regret you'll have about waiting on God is wishing you had. You know, in other words, have you ever said, you know what, forget it, I'm going to move? And then you create a muddy mess. And then you look back at that moment and you say, why didn't I wait on God? Why did I take matters into my own hands? Why did I throw myself into that relationship? 
it was bad for me and now I'm discovering it's bad for me. Why did I pursue that job even though that door was closed? Why did I look for a window? Why didn't I just let the door stay closed? Why didn't I just trust God that he's in control of everything? Why didn't I just wait? Why didn't I trust God that that prayer was not answered and I'm gonna trust him because he's God and he's sovereign and he's in control? Why didn't I just wait? Why why did I take matters into my own hands and do that? Why did I do that? Why did I walk away so early? Why did I do that? The second part of this verse says, he turned to me and heard my cry. It's beautiful. Another version says, he inclined to me. It's the NASB. You know what that word literally means? It means, it's a sense of God bending down. It's this idea that God bent down. See, Psalm chapter 38 and 39, David's just at the bottom. He's in the pit. Chapter 40, he's in the pit. But the first few verses, and this verse right here says, he waited patiently for the Lord, and he finally bent down. And he met me. He met me where I was at. He met me in that prison cell. (laughs) He met me in that car. He met me wherever it is. He finally, God just stooped down and met with me. Some of you need to hear that. God wants to bend down and meet with you. He hears your prayers. Sometimes I tell people, God hears your prayers, and they say something like, I hope so. I want you to know God hears your prayers. He wants all of your heart. For some of you, the only problem you have is you've given the part of your heart that belongs to God to someone else instead of God. You're worshiping something else or someone else instead of worshiping God. Maybe you're worshiping yourself instead of worshiping God. And you've already given the best part of you to someone else. God wants you, and he wants you to humble yourself before him. God hears your prayers. If you're still waiting on God, keep your faith. Keep the faith. If you lose your job, keep the faith. If you lose your spouse, keep the faith. If you lose your child, keep the faith. If you have to downsize, Keep the faith. If you have to get a second job, keep the faith. If you're at your wit's end, keep the faith. If you're sick, keep the faith. If you don't see anything changing, keep the faith. God hears your prayers. You have to remember, God is working even when you don't see him working. And just because you don't see him working doesn't mean he's not moving. He wants you to lean on him and trust him and walk by faith. Verse 2, David says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. I thought it was really interesting that he says that he lifted me out of the slimy pit. Have you ever been in a situation where you have nothing to hold on to and it's just 
you're slipping. You spend a lot of energy trying to pull yourself out and there's nothing to hold on to and you're just sliding. You know what I'm talking about? We can be there spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is, or in that relationship. And you're just, David is saying, I know that place. I know that place where you keep slipping. I know that place where you can't get a grip. I know that place where all your efforts are futile. I know that place. The, The prophet Jeremiah, he was thrown into a cistern, C-I-S-T-E-R-N. It was a well. And he was thrown into this well in chapter 38, Jeremiah. And when he was in that well, it was muddy on the bottom. And I thought about that for a little bit. And I thought, you know, a well is intended to have water. But if the water runs out, it could just become a whole bunch of mud. And I want you to hear this. You can make the mistake of thinking there's water when there's only mud. That's when you drink from the wrong well. (laughs) That's when you throw yourself into something thinking I'm going to get something out of it. But you realize once you're in it, it's just a bunch of mud. In my, in my mind, I thought it was gonna be water. I thought it was gonna be satisfying. I thought it was gonna be all these things. But now I just realize now, it's just a bunch of mud. And now I'm in this situation where I have no footing at all. You chased after that relationship. You chased after that job. You chased after whatever it is, and now you're finding out it's just a bunch of mud. And it just smells. I came across, in, you know, Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. I, 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 Lord just put this in my heart about a time when there was a pit involved, a ditch. And he was being questioned because there was this guy that showed up with a deformed hand that needed to be healed. And they were questioning about whether or not Jesus was going to heal this guy on the Sabbath. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 11. He says, he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? And I looked at that and I thought, well, who's doing the work? It's like the shepherd who's doing the work, right? He's the one who's doing the work to pull out the sheep. Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to them, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. This tells me that we have a savior and the heart of Jesus is to pull you out of the pit. That's the heart of our savior. When he sees you in a spiritual condition, it's like that sheep that fell into the ditch and his heart is stirred and his desire, just like God, he's God in the flesh, is to bend over and stoop down and to help you out of that ditch and to help you get to a better place. And I love what he says. He says, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Doesn't that feel good? I love um, snorkeling. I love exploring. Anybody else love doing that kind of thing? I'm not talking about, you know, down the, the river in downtown Denver. That's not really snorkeling. That's dangerous. You'll lose a finger or something if you go there. But I'm, I'm talking about going to like some kind of tropical place where you can go and snorkel. And, and I love that. I love it. I'm the guy who will go farther out than I should go. And it makes my wife really, really nervous when I do that. But I love just exploring. But every once in a while, I exhaust myself out. I'm just tired, even though I'm wearing flippers or whatever. And then every once in a while, while I'm out there and the waves are just moving me left to right, I find a rock to stand on. 
You ever found a rock to stand off? It's just kind of like a remote thing in the middle of the ocean or whatever. And I stand up and there's waves all around me, but I'm standing on a rock. And I think about that when I look at Psalm chapter 40. David says, I was sliding. I was in this miry clay. I was in this muck. And God gave me a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Our feet are so important. Our ability to hold our balance is so important. Our ability to walk and maintain balance is so important. And sin can cause you to get out of balance. Sin can cause you to slip. And that's what God does. When you cry out to God and he bends over and he speaks to you and he loves on you, he gives you firm footing. Even when you're in the midst of a storm, he meets you right where you're at. Even when you're in that jail cell or wherever you're at, he gives you this firm footing. He's gonna, and he says, it's going to be okay. Some of you need to hear that. It's going to be okay. You put your faith and trust in God. God will see you through it. It's going to be okay. And verse 3 says, he put, a, he put a new, what church? A new, a new song in my mouth. When was the last time you laughed? Some of you, I've seen you laugh, and it's a joy to see you laugh. But for some of us, maybe it's been a long time since you've laughed outside. When I went through a season in 2012 where I was worn out as a pastor, and I remember laughing, I took a sabbatical, and I remember laughing, and I think I was in, I think I was in New Orleans, Louisiana, I think, at this church, and I just remember laughing, and I remember thinking, oh, I haven't done that in a long time. I haven't laughed in a long time out loud. In this scripture, David says, he bent over and he, he met with me in the miry clay and he gave me firm footing even though I was slipping all over the place. And then he put a new song in my mouth. You know what a new song is? It's the consequence, the spiritual consequence, the result of God changing your heart of God taking off that worry, taking off that burden, of God relieving you from that presence, that storm, whatever it is. And he gives you a new song. That means you're going to sing lyrics that you've never sang before. Words are going to come out of your mouth that have never been uttered before. And you're going to sing out loud, even though you can't carry a, a tune. That's okay. But you're going to sing out loud because of something internally that has happened inside of you. Have you been there before? You just couldn't help yourself, but you're in the kitchen and you just start singing a song. Or you're in the car and you just start singing a song. And you're like, God, I love you. You're my everything, God. I worship you. You take care of me, Lord. You've watched over me all my life, Lord. There's no one like you, God. You've never left me, Lord. You've always been with me, Lord. I love you with all my heart, God. Thank you for the flowers, Lord. You're so good to me. You know, that's why I'm not on the praise team, guys. That's why I got right. Kaylee, you got to help me out a little bit when I'm singing that song there. He'll put a new song in your mouth. That's what God does. I don't know where you're at, but you have a God who wants to do a new thing inside of you. You have a God who wants to do a new thing inside of you. And maybe you feel like you're in this place where you're in this relationship or whatever it is. 
I want you to know God will bend down and meet with you there because he cares about you and he loves you. And he wants you to know that. You keep walking by faith. You keep trusting God. You keep coming to church or keep watching church online. You keep seeking God with all of your heart because he hears your prayers. And you keep waiting on God. And don't get before him. You'll muddy up everything. You trust him and you pray and he'll move. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your love. And Lord, I just pray that you just have your way. Thank you for your spirit, God. I just, I'm grateful for your faithfulness, Lord, and you helped me with this message. You know what my week has looked like, Lord, and you just, you're so good and so faithful. I know, Lord, there's people here who are in person and watching online. They needed to hear this. Thank you for Psalm chapter 40. I'm grateful that you know how to sustain your servant. So first of all, if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you just say, Jesus, right now I turn to you with all of my heart. Right now I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sin. I choose to become a Christian right now. I choose to walk by faith. And put your Holy Spirit inside of me. Teach me. Teach me how to walk. Others of you might need to say this. God, you are my sustainer. I need you, God, to bend down, to meet with me. I need you to put my feet on solid ground. You know the situation I'm in, God. And God, I just want to give myself to you first of all. And then I'll give my circumstances to you, God. You know I'm responsible for this mud. But I'm grateful, God, that you're willing to get dirty for me. So thank you, God. We love you, God. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.